From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. Buckeye Firearms Foundation wins a landmark victory in the Ohio Supreme Court. President Biden calls for gun control measures that have already proven to be failures, no surprise there, and a dozen gun bills introduced in the Ohio State House. Some good, some bad. There's a lot going on, and we're going to discuss it all on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association. And I'm joined by Rob Sexton, our Legislative Affairs Director. Hi, Rob. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Dean. I'm glad to be with you today. So uh, the weather is warming up. I'm looking out my window here, and the sun is out. Uh, it looks good. People are mowing and doing all kinds of stuff. You know, I have mixed feelings when spring comes around. It's great that spring is here, but that also means I've got to get out in the yard and do work. So, I mean, I'm I'm feeling a little guilty. I, Rob, am I a bad person for wanting it to snow and get cold again. I don't know if you're a bad person, but I have to admit, I've, I've had my fill of winter. I'm ready for some spring. Well, I, I agree with you, but then I start to look around and you know, I've got to trim this and mow that and fertilize the other thing. And I'm thinking, <laughs> geez, you know, I'm, I'm almost done with summer already. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, you know, not all the news is bad. One of the big things that happened, as I mentioned in the, the intro there, is we just got a huge victory in the court. This was the Ohio Supreme Court, and this concerns the bump stock ban lawsuit that we had against Cincinnati. So this was on Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. The Ohio Supreme Court handed Buckeye Firearms Foundation a victory in the court case that was called officially BFF versus Cincinnati. This is a nearly three-year-old case. We started this almost three years ago. Uh, when Cincinnati came out with their so-called bump stock ban. And as a result, the city of Cincinnati can no longer enforce their ordinance. Now, we're, we're going to set aside the fact that bump stocks are still being litigated at the federal level. That, that issue is not over yet. But the important thing is that we won this victory. And the reason that it's important is... Cincinnati basically was thumbing their nose, and I was quoted in the news as saying that, which gave me a lot of joy. It was actually in a headline that the city of Cincinnati thumbed its nose at gun owners in Ohio and said, you know, uh, to heck with it. We're, we're just going to pass this law anyway, even though we know it's illegal. So, you know, Rob, what, what do you think about this? A huge, huge victory. Yeah, that's it's an awesome victory. And I really, I, I think, you know, we could talk about bump stocks or any other aspect of the lawsuit. But the real the real crux of the matter is the city of Cincinnati was breaking Ohio law and using their power to enforce an illegal ban on Ohio gun owners in, in the Southwest Ohio area. And so the real precedent was, you know, where the court's going to allow a rogue city to thumb their nose at Ohio's preemption law. And just to give some context here, let, let's move through this. Again, I want to emphasize this. This was three years. Court cases are expensive, and they take a lot of time. You, yes. don't just, you don't just walk in and win these cases. So this actually began, and we've, we've uh, had articles 
on this and have covered this over the years. It was May of 2018. Wow. When Cincinnati City Council passed their ordinance. Now, this was right after this mass murder out in Las Vegas. So bump stocks were in the news. People, I mean, most people in the country, this was the first time they'd ever heard of a bump stock right. or these, these trigger enhancers. May of 2018, they passed an ordinance, basically just showboating because, you know, this was all about elections and everything else. And so what technically it did was uh, they banned trigger activators. That, that's how it's cited in the lawsuit within city limits. So that trigger activator ban included a number of devices like bump stocks, binary triggers, and other things that, you know, enhance the way that the, the triggers work. We tried to work things out with them. I mean, we sent letters. We were in contact with them. You know, hey, guys, you know, you can't do this. It's illegal and so on. Of course, they completely ignored us. We told them we were going to sue them, but they didn't care. What would they care? You know, they've got deep pockets. So... June 21st, we filed lawsuit. Uh, now, Ohioans for Concealed Carry was also in on this, although this particular case for Cincinnati was mostly our case. But Ohioans for Concealed Carry filed a simultaneous lawsuit against Columbus, which is still pending. That, that case is still working itself out, although Columbus did uh, rescind their ban as a result of the lawsuit. So, you know, we could claim some measure of victory uh, on that. But our lawsuit cited Ohio Revised Code 9.68, which is commonly referred to as preemption. So this was basically the month after they came out with their ordinance, we sued them. And then, you know, time goes forward and all the court stuff happens. February 8, 2019, Hamilton County Court of Common Pleas basically said we were right. They granted a motion for summary judgment issued a permanent injunction, which is legal speak for, hey, hey, Cincinnati, you can't do that. That's illegal. Stop it. So Cincinnati appealed the case to the first district. The first district upheld the ruling. In other words, they also said, hey, Cincinnati, you know, knock it off. Cincinnati still wouldn't stop. They weren't, they weren't learning their lesson. So they took it all the way up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court basically said, and this just happened on March 30th, 2021, so as we're recording this, that it was this week, they they declined jurisdiction, again, more legal mumbo-jumbo, but what that means is they're saying, look, we're not going to rule on this, the lower court had it right, so essentially three times, the Ohio legal system told Cincinnati, knock it off, you can't do it, it's illegal, Yeah. so... I mean, it's over. There, there's there's nothing more that Cincinnati can do. They lost. Yeah, they, they lost overwhelmingly. And, and you know, what really strikes me about this is it's not like they didn't know the preemption law was there. They decided to ignore it. You know, the lower court, a lot of folks probably don't know what summary judgment means. You refer to summary judgment when you talk about the lower court decision. Summary judgment means that the lower court said, you know what, we don't have to even hold a full trial. We know what the merits of the law are in this case, and and they're clear. Cincinnati is in violation of the preemption code, and therefore this ban that they put in place cannot stand. And so they didn't just lose, they got routed at the lower court level. And then, of course, as you note, 
They uh, they failed again at the appellate court level. And then for the Ohio Supreme Court to again say there, there is nothing left to hear. The lower courts got it right. We're not going to hear this any further. This is a slam dunk victory for Buckeye Firearms. Yeah, this this was a, a big victory. I, I know when uh, one of our attorneys called me, I mean, I could just hear it on the phone. He was smiling ear to ear. This this was this was this was big, and and it made very little press. I saw one article that may have been one or two others. The press really didn't cover it. Cincinnati doesn't want to talk about it. And Rob, one of the things about preemption in Ohio, and and you, by the way, for those of you listening, you can look it up for yourself. It's a really good read. Ohio Revised Code nine point six eight. Just Google Ohio Revised Code or just ORC nine point six eight. Read it for yourself. We were responsible for getting that in the law, and we revised it uh, very recently, I think uh, just uh, a couple years ago, making it even stronger. Read it and see what it says. Just boiling it all down, it essentially says, look, guys, the law is set on guns at the state level, period. Cities, villages, townships, you can't pass your own laws, so don't even try. Uh, on That's on guns, part of a gun, or ammunition. So basically yes. anything involving guns, you just you can't regulate it at the local level. Right. You, you can do you can do sound ordinances, you can do zoning for, you know, a gun shop or something like that, but you can't regulate the firearms components or ammunition. Yeah, look, we we should talk for just a moment, just a refresher why that is such an important law, maybe the most important law in in Ohio in terms of protecting gun rights. The other day when we were talking on the telephone, Dean, you mentioned how many cities and townships are there in the state of Ohio? Well, I looked it up and there's just shy of 2,300 cities, villages, and townships across the wow. entire state. So, so, so think about this. 2,300 different local governments without this law could make their own gun control. So when you drive to work. You cross through a couple of townships, maybe a village, a town, a city, and you may be able to carry your gun in its holster, but then, then suddenly it's got to be in the trunk and it's got to be unloaded and it's got to be separated. Maybe you can't have a handgun at all. I mean, you look at the type of ordinances that have been passed in cities across America, and it's just a crazy quilt of different gun laws. But we don't have that here in Ohio because of the preemption law that Buckeye Firearms was able to get enacted. And it is by far the most important protection outside of what the constitution says it's the it's the biggest protection that's in ohio law for gun owners well and and you talk about it there being a quilt uh, the word patchwork is something that was actually part of this you know there there used to be a patchwork of laws yeah. I, I remember how that was i lived in columbus i was shooting bullseye competitively at the time and there was a handgun i wanted and i i couldn't get it because there, there was a ban on so-called assault weapons at the time. And one of the definitions for that was that the magazine would, was in front of the trigger. Well, on this particular handgun, which was manufactured in, in Europe someplace, it had, you know, the, the ammo was not in the, in the stock. It was in front of the trigger. But it wasn't an assault weapon, but it fit the definition. So right. it, was, it was illegal for me to do that. So... I had to keep shooting with my Ruger Mark II, which was just fine because I started winning a lot. But <laughs> it was just the it was just the point of the thing that it was ridiculous that that little twenty two handgun that I wanted to buy was considered an assault weapon. And there was a patchwork everywhere you would go. 
There were different laws. Now, that was a different and gentler time. You come forward about 15 years, and where are we now? There, there are a lot of cities that would pass, just for vindictiveness, pass all kinds of laws. You could have literally a city that would say, you know, you just can't carry here. And so you're going to the grocery store, and it's perfectly legal to carry where you live, and you just drive through an intersection. Now you're in a different city. Now you're a criminal. It, right. could, it could literally be like that. Absolutely. Uh, so now I just want to point out with this uh, with this victory, this is not the first time we've done this, by the way. Back in 2010, there was a court ruling on a uh, case in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland actually sued the state of Ohio over preemption. But the, the court ruled, and we were involved in this case, the court ruled five to two, and I'm talking about the Ohio Supreme Court, that preemption is valid. So this is actually, to my knowledge, the, the second time that preemption has gone to the Ohio Supreme Court. So, you know, if you follow court cases, one of the things that you always note is you want case law. It's not enough just to have the law. You want case law. You want to have these trials. You want the rulings because future courts will look back on these past rulings, and, and that's how they'll decide future cases. Right. And I, and I think, you know, we start off, we need a preemption because we're worried about the, the patchwork of laws. And then as you just pointed out, you know, a lot of the cities, especially the larger cities in Ohio, they become increasingly hostile toward firearms and, and uh, Second Amendment supporters like us. And, y- you know, we're on the defense, if not for preemption. And, and I mean, I think what would the world look like if the cities were free to do whatever they want? I think waiting periods, assault weapons, bans, magazine limits, you know, one gun a month, you name it, every kind of anti-gun ordinance they could conceive and they'd be all over the board. So, you know, initially it was, can we get some uniformity? Now it's, gosh, we need preemption just to protect gun rights in general in this state. And, and I want to point out that there are a lot of cities even now that still have laws on the books that violate preemption. So I would encourage people to look up the laws of your city. There are still some, you know, so-called assault weapons bans out there. There are, you know, signs posted where they shouldn't be. We deal with this quite frequently. We've dealt with it in the background, work with city councils, basically talking to them, sort of implicitly threatening them. We've gotten a lot of these laws rescinded, but as we said, if there are almost 2,300 cities, you're playing whack-a-mole. So, you know, if you're listening to this, you might get a little curious about your own city's laws. Look it up. Most of them are online. See what your laws in your city says. This is something to advise your city council on. Very often, you can get these things reversed without any court action. You just need to point it out because... A lot of them, especially the smaller places, they're just not paying attention. So um, I did it in the city where I live, and we've done it in many other cities as well, just working with local citizens who are willing to go to city council and stand there and say, hey, you've got laws that violate preemption, you need to change it. And we've been pretty successful at that. You know, I tell you what, uh, it's a shame that these cities keep trying this stuff. And, And I would say, that if there's an area where we can strengthen law, you know, the law ought to have ought to hold the cities more responsible. But at least, at least there is some level of deterrence in Ohio law, and that is that the city of Cincinnati is going to pay the legal bill for this frivolous lawsuit they filed. And and I think if there is a 
silver lining in forcing us to, to go to court to defend gun rights. It's the fact that the, the city of Cincinnati is paying the freight for this lawsuit. So a great victory. And uh, we, we just couldn't, couldn't be happier. Uh, that's good for everyone in Ohio. Let's move on, Rob. I'm sure that everyone has seen in the news, uh, the Biden administration has called for the passage of some bills. Now, these were pre-existing bills, but, you know, after that mass murder at the uh, grocery store out in Colorado, you know, Biden, he doesn't move real fast, but but boy, on this one, there was a trail of fire behind him. He, he ran right in front of the cameras yeah. and he said, you know, there, there are some laws we, we want to pass. Let's just take a quick listen to his press conference when he was talking about that now. And then, and then let's, uh, let's talk about these solutions he's proposing. Well, we're still waiting for more information regarding the shooter, his motive, the weapons he used, the guns, the magazines, the weapons, the modifications that apparently have taken place to those weapons that are involved here. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common sense steps that will save the lives in the future and to urge my colleagues in the House and Senate to act. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again. We can close the loopholes in our background check system, including the Charleston loophole. So there was President Biden talking about passing some of these these laws. And it's it's interesting that he, he was saying, you know, I don't know all the facts about this case yet, but here are the solutions. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's always, you know, I don't I don't need to know what actually happened in order to provide some solutions. So here are my solutions. Yeah, yeah, Dean, Dean, it's almost like, imagine this, it's almost like Joe Biden already knew that he was going to propose gun control. Could that be possible? It's vaguely possible, yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, I mean, mean, were they just waiting on the first tragedy to exploit to begin the gun control agenda? Oh, now, Rob, you're you're being so cynical. Uh, their, Their heart's in the right place, Rob. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah, right, right. I, I mean, I've never seen an administration move so fast in my, and for Joe Biden, you know, uh, you know, who struggles to walk anyway, you have to wonder, you know, did he set some sort of record getting to the podium to take advantage of the tragedy while the bodies were still warm on the ground? I think it's really shameful. Well, when you, when you boil it down, the, the three things that they're suggesting, and these were pre-existing bills, that were in the House, and they're they're tr- they're going to try to ram them through the Senate. One is a bill on the so-called universal background checks. Right. Another one, which they're really all hot about, is so-called assault weapons ban. That was that existed for for ten years. I think it was ninety four to two thousand four. And then the third is the uh, so-called high capacity magazine. So they're wanting to pass these, and they're proposing these as solutions. The odd thing, though, is that they were, they're proposing this after the Colorado mass murder. And wouldn't you know it, Colorado already has all three of these laws. They already have universal background checks. There's an assault weapons ban, and there are these so-called high-capacity magazine bans. It already yeah. exists. So they're basically saying, here was a mass murder. Here are our solutions, but whoops, these solutions already exist. So, you know, would it have done anything? 
no doesn't matter to them. No, no. Well, because their real agenda is gun control. You know, the, the tragedy is just a means to an end. I mean, if you look at the number of cities across the country that have the highest level of gun control, look at Chicago, you know, gun control at the wazoo and the murder capital of the United States of America. Right. So so obviously they don't care that those solutions, the high cap magazine, the assault weapons ban, the, the uh, uh, universal background checks, they don't care that that did not prevent the tragedy in Colorado. They want to take advantage of it to take away your gun rights. And I guess, you know, elections have consequences. And this is the kind of reaction we can expect from this administration. And unfortunately, the 50-50 Senate that puts all the all the power in the hands of Kamala Harris in the event of a tie. So uh, it's a tough environment right now and, and pretty scary. Well, the one thing to keep in mind, though, and, and we sort of have our fingers crossed on this. Yeah, it's 50-50. Yes, Kamala Harris can cast the 51st vote. But Everybody is already thinking about elections. I mean, the day after the last election, people were contacting us about the upcoming election. You know, when are yes. you going to do grades? When are you going to do endorsements? So there are people in the U.S. Senate right now looking ahead, and there are some moderate Democrats, or yes, yeah, some moderate Democrats, you know, plus all the Republicans, they're looking forward, and they know very well they pass any of these, you know, regardless of what public sentiment might might be or what they're you know, their phony polls might show that they pass any of these. It's going to be a, an election loser. People are going to lose their seats. So, uh, I, you know, I don't know if it's really 50-50. I think it, it might be a challenge to get some of these through, but they probably have a better chance now than they ever have before. Yeah, they certainly, I think the playing field's certainly better for them than than I can ever remember, right? So we're we're basically counting on West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, to, you know, to, to be the firewall, for example. And there's probably a couple others, Cinema uh, in Arizona, who are hoping to hold the, the line. But bottom line is, you know, they're, they're, they're as close as they've ever been. And, you know, back to the comment, elections have consequences. Ohio is going to have an open seat in the next election. Rob Portman, Senator Rob Portman, who, of course, has voted pro-Second Amendment during his time in the Senate, he's retiring. And Ohio is going to have going to elect a brand new United States senator, and make no mistake, you know the the uh, uh, the Mike Bloomberg funded organizations and that they're going to pour tens of millions of dollars into this state to try to capture that seat for this very reason. So you know our our gun owning brothers and sisters across the state, we've got to turn out like we've never turned out before because this election will really matter. Well, I'm from West Virginia, and, you know, traditionally, you know, it's it's red now, but traditionally that's been a blue state, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I mean like an old-fashioned blue dog, you know, union kind of a state, and it's a gun state through and through. Yes. Um, you know, if Manchin, if, if he's just wheeling and dealing and trying to get some stuff, then he votes for one of these bills, man, he is going to get hit. He's going to yeah. get hit hard. So... I, I assume he knows that. We'll we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, yes. and it, it's politics, Rob. You know, let's not pretend like we know exactly what's going to happen. No, no, but we have to watch our flank, also, right? So, not only do you know, do we need to talk about the the few Democrats and what are they going to do? We also have to talk about the Republicans. I mean, not every Republican is stalwart, right? So, who are the usual suspects that the other side will try to sway? 
you know, fortunately, Lisa Murkowski, Alaska, I mean, that's a, that's a very pro-gun, pro-hunting state. So, you know, you'd have to think we've got a good shot at holding on there. Uh, Susan Collins, another Republican who the left often tries to sway, you know, Maine, again, very hunting, pro-gun state. But, you know, it only takes one or two, and then that sends Vice President Harris to the podium to cast the tiebreaker. So this is a time when gun owners cannot afford to, you know, take a round off. We've got to stay in the fight the whole way. So let's move on now and just update everybody on some legislation here in Ohio. Right now, as we're recording this, and we're... Uh, this is April 2nd. As we're recording this, we, we release it a little bit later. But but as of right now, there are a dozen gun bills already. There are six bills that we would classify as pro-gun, six we would classify as anti-gun or anti-liberty. So why don't we just go through these and just talk a little bit about where we stand on all of them. If we, if we go through the, um, the pro-Second Amendment bills first, We've got um, a couple, uh, HB 12, uh, Enforcing Constitutional Rights, that's uh, uh, sponsored by Diane Grindel, HB 62, for designating Ohio a Second Amendment sanctuary. That's also by Grindel, but Mike Loichik, which is uh, one of the freshman representatives. Um, now, I'm, I'm not seeing any action on either one of these so far, Right. Not yet, uh, but there's a lot of conversation about both bills, especially House Bill 62. And, uh, you know, I've spoken to Representative Grindel and Representative Lojcik uh, and Representative Wiggum, who chairs the committee that uh, House Bill 62 is in. And, and this, these bills are a response to the President Biden thing we were just talking about. And that is uh, these, these legislators are trying to find a way to protect gun owners in Ohio from the, the pending federal attack. So, you know, I don't know that th- that these bills will, will wind up looking like they did when they were introduced, but I know that, you know, people are putting their heads together down at the state house to try to find ways, that, uh, uh, obstacles to put in the path of a federal attack on gun rights. And so, you know, we're appreciative of what they're trying to do. And BFA is involved in the conversations to try to find uh, helpful ways to stem the tide. The next bill that we have on our list, and by the way, you can see all of these on our website. If you just click on the legislation link, we have them all listed. And every single one of them, you can uh, click the link and go and read the bills for yourself and, and see where they stand, committee activity, read testimony, and all of that. So the next one up, HB 89, and this is to repeal the duty to promptly inform. Now, this one actually has some movement. It's passed out of committee. Sponsor is uh, Scott Wiggum. So uh, what's going on with that bill, Rob? Well, as you said, you know, it's already come out of committee. It uh, it came out of committee with a strong vote. This is the bill that would remove the duty to promptly notify. We all know that the promptly definition is an ambiguous term in in a law that's been interpreted different ways by different law enforcement entities. And, And gun owners deserve clarity. And the best way to do that, of course, is to put that decision in the hands of law enforcement. They can ask if they want to know. I think that bill's still very much alive. I think the House is, you know, they're sort of bogged down right now figuring out the budget as they would be at this part uh, of the beginning of session. But I look for that bill to continue. You know, we got it halfway through the process last session. So I I think the 
the prospects are pretty good for, for the duty to notify issue to be dealt with this session. Then we have HB 99, and this is about armed school personnel not having to have 700 hours of police training. Sponsor is uh, Thomas Hall, and uh, we've had a couple hearings on that, and there's also uh, a court case that's tied into this. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that? You know, uh, Representative Hall is a graduate of the Madison Local School District, which is the school district that's the center of the lawsuit you just mentioned. They were one of, I think, uh, what we have uh, schools in what, more than 70 counties that have enacted safety programs that allow staff to be armed to protect students. And of course, uh, you know, one of the Bloomberg groups were, were part of a lawsuit to challenge Madison's safety program. The lower court got it right. And boy, the, the appellate court, the 12th District Court of Appeals, they really messed this one up. And you referenced 700 hours that the court actually ruled that in order to go armed to protect kids in a school, you have to have the same training as a police officer, which, which sounds reasonable to begin with until you consider, do they need training on Miranda rights? Do they need training on high-speed chases? Do they need training on how to process someone they've arrested or DUI or checkpoints? It's, it's nothing more than a really transparent attempt to simply end these type of school safety programs. Yeah, that, that's really all it is because it, the result would be that nobody could be armed. Because nobody. Uh, if it has to be a police officer, what you're talking about is there, has to be, there have to be funds to put the police officer or the resource officer in the school or you hire someone who's retired. And a lot of schools don't have that kind of money. So in the end, it just takes that protection out of the school. That's it, right. It puts everyone in danger. It's, it's not practical on any level. If there's any bell that should be non-political, this one is it. Well, yeah, it could, because we already know that the faster you confront, you know, an armed shooter situation, the, the, the more lives are going to be saved. And so all this lawsuit did was make the, the uh, situation more dangerous in, in, in the event of a tragedy, right? So, Representative Hall is actually a graduate of that school, that high school, and he, he is an enthusiastic sponsor of that bill. I think it's unfortunate that the bill has been titled, you know, removes training for armed teachers kind of thing, right? Because it doesn't remove the possibility of training. It allows the school district to make that decision because they're, they're best equipped to know what their resources are, right? So they don't need to be told by the state of Ohio, you know, how to construct this. Uh, that's why we have local government in this case to, to make that very decision. And, and by the way, Rob, I, you probably noticed that in, in the past, when I list these bills on the website, I'll, I have used the titles assigned, you know, down at the state house. I don't do that anymore. I, I give it an accurate title now, which is why the titles that we have listed for these bills don't match up with the actual titles of the bills because often they're not very informative. So we try right. to make the titles of these bills a little more informative. So uh, we've got two more, what we're classifying as pro second amendment pro gun bills. The next one up HB 227 on constitutional carry. This is by Thomas Brinkman, Chris Jordan. And uh, this was, Pretty much the same bill that was in the last legislative session, except for one item that was dealt with in another bill already. But they've it's been reintroduced. It's primarily about constitutional carry, but there's other stuff in the bill as well. 
Yes, it, it, there is. And here's what I'd say about this. You know, this is the session to get constitutional carry done. That's why BFA has made it its top priority in this session. Uh, so, of course, we're in favor, whether it's this version or some, you know, some other version or another bill, whatever the case may be. This is the session when we need to hold our legislators accountable to get this thing done. So we're, you know, we're glad to see legislation in the works and, and we will be working aggressively to find the right solution that finally gets constitutional carry done in Ohio. Constitutional carry is being introduced in many other states. We're seeing it move pretty rapidly. And so I'm, I'm hoping that that means that there's um, a lot more enthusiasm this time than in previous sessions. So, you know, I, I just think with the pandemic and what we saw, you know, with all the riots uh, in 2020 and just a lot of things sort of coming together at the same time, a Biden administration and so on, I think there's more thirst, more openness for this now than has been in the past. So, yeah, yeah I mean, and, and I'm frankly, I'm hoping we do it this year because technically next year, that's an election year. And then we're into lame duck. And, you know, when you get into that, it's all about the elections. And then these bills get pushed right up against the brink in, in December. And that's never a good thing. So, Rob, you, you need to, to help us get this through this year, <laughs> this year. So we can get that behind us before the elections come up. So one, oh, one yeah. more, uh, one more pro gun bill, HB four, I'm sorry, HB two forty three, knife preemption. Now, uh, I, this is a this is a Second Amendment bill. I would like to remind everybody that the Second Amendment does not say the right to keep and bear guns. It says the right to keep and bear arms. We usually think about guns, but knives and other weapons, which you can carry, that's part of the Second Amendment, too. So now this yes. this is a bill that's being pushed primarily by Knife Rights, which is a national organization that you know works for knife rights in the same way that we work for gun rights. And uh, we supported the last bill that just recently passed. In fact, I think it's, is it an April... April 12th, I believe that uh, it will become legal in Ohio to carry a concealed knife. And so this is a follow-up to that. This is for knife preemption because we were talking about preemption, but it, it applies only to guns. It doesn't apply to knives. So right. this is an attempt to have preemption also on knives so you can carry them and you're not going to have cities, all these 2,300 cities, villages, townships passing knife laws that would, would make that illegal or interfere with carrying knives in some way. Right, right. I, I think, you know, you don't have to work real hard on this issue to realize that the same cities and townships that we're trying to prevent from, you know, the, the, the type of crazy quilt type atmosphere that predated preemption on firearms, we need the same kind of protection for knives. I don't think there's any question. Right. So, you know, we're, we're hoping that that's, uh, that's going to move as well, and, and we're going to, you know, provide support on that bill as it passes. So now, so now we come to the bad bills, and there are half a dozen of those, and I'm just, I'm going to read through them. I don't know that we need to talk about all six of them. Probably the, the one with the most chutzpah, though, is this HB 38, which is a bill to try to reverse 
the duty to retreat bill that we just got passed. Yes. So, I mean, this has not even become law yet. It's, it's next week. As we record this, April 6th is when the duty to retreat officially goes away in Ohio, and Democrats are already trying to reverse it. So this bill has two sponsors and 30 co-sponsors. I, I, I mean, Rob, give me your opinion. I don't think that they're going to reverse it. It's very unusual to come back and reverse a bill that's already passed, especially trying to reverse it before it even beca- becomes law. Right, right. You know, I, I don't think the prospects are very high. This bill will pass. I mean, many of the same legislators who voted for the repeal of duty to retreat are still there. So this is a political gesture. I think they know that they've got no chance to pass it. But what you know what it really drives home? It drives home that they don't care about the facts. You, you know, during the hearings on the duty to retreat law, they voiced the same fears we hear about concealed carry, about constitutional carry, about preemption, you know, that it's going to be blood in the streets, okay, corral. None of that stuff ever happens, but they don't seem to care, right? So we haven't even seen the result of repealing the duty to retreat. As you note, it hasn't even gone into effect yet, and they're already on the attack. So all I can say is I'm very grateful for the atmosphere we currently have at the state house because the prospects are not good for this bill. But boy, you, you know, it, it just doesn't seem like fair play to go after a law before you even see how it functions. The next four bills are all Cecil Thomas bills, bills that yes. uh, Cecil Thomas He's introduced all of four of these bills previously. One's on background checks. One's on, one is on raising the uh, age to own a firearm to 21. That's for everything. That includes shotguns, rifles, everything. Uh, one is to repeal statewide preemption. That's the most egregious one. And then there's one to ban bump stocks. All of those Cecil Thomas bills. Then there's a fifth, uh, fifth bill or on our full list here, bill number six. SB 138, and this one's on risk protection orders, and this is uh, a Sandra Williams bill. Uh, Rob, I don't even know that we need to discuss any of these bills. We know what they say. We've seen them before. And by the way, none of these, not one of these, has any action of any kind. They've been introduced, assigned to a committee. That's it. That's right. Yeah, so I, I really do think the prospects for these are dim, thankfully, but what they really do accomplish is they provide us a clear-cut window into who our, you know, to who our enemies are when it comes to gun rights. It's as clear-cut as you want. The preemption bill, obviously, most notably. So, I think we've covered a lot of territory. We talked about the uh, Supreme Court victory that we won. We've talked about these uh, bad bills at the federal level and uh, what's going on with all that and, and some Ohio bills. So, Rob, we, we covered a lot. I think that's plenty for one podcast. I, I would say so. <laughs> There's a lot going on, a lot more coming down the pike. So, uh, Rob, thanks for joining us once again. It's great to have you back. Yeah, it was good to be with you, Dean. And I, I think we've got a lot of success ahead of us this year if we work for it. This, I think this is going to be a great year. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to JoinBFA.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's JoinBFA.org.
We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio. Thank you.